Life's too short. Life's too damn short. So, eat everything. Try anything. Exercise. Experience all that life has to offer. Here's exercise physiologist, medical journalist, and healthy talk host, Melanie Cole, MS. Osteoporosis can cause more than 8.9 million fractures annually worldwide with an osteoporotic fracture occurring every three seconds. That's an incredible number. And my guest today is Dr. Ethel Cyrus. She's an endocrinologist and the past president of the National Osteoporosis Foundation. And she is currently the director of the osteoporosis program at Columbia University Medical Center in New York. Welcome to the show, Dr. Cyrus. So let's just start talking about osteoporosis because women have been hearing about it for of like 30 years and all they think of still is this bent over woman with the with the shoulders kyphotic you know and they think oh that woman has osteoporosis but that's not necessarily what it is so describe what it is and kind of how we get it osteoporosis is basically a reduction in the strength of your bones that occurs typically after about age 50 in a in a postmenopausal woman or in an older man you lose bone, and when you lose bone, you lose both quantity, so there's less of it, and also there are changes in the quality of bone that affects its strength. As a consequence, a minor trip or fall can break a major bone, and we, we worry very much about hip fractures in those folks over 75 to 80. Spine fractures uh, are what can cause the curved back. It's one of, the, one of the ways you can get a curved back is if you have multiple spine fractures. And then, of course, people break wrists, shoulders, the pelvis, etc. So it's a common problem as we get older, and it's something that we can do a lot about to prevent those very debilitating fractures. So before we even talk about prevention, things we can do to prevent, is there a current screening for osteoporosis, and what women would you suggest have this? Or well, men, too. Yep. Okay. So the current recommendation is that if you're a 65-year-old woman or a 70-year-old man and you've never had a bone density test, you need to get one. Uh, bone density testing is painless, very easy to do, non-invasive, takes just about 10 to 15 minutes, and it takes a look at the bone mineral density in the spine and in the hip. Some places also do the forearm. And it's a way of telling if you have excellent bone density or not such good bone density. In fact, it's, you get a score, and the score will tell you if you're normal, if you're low, or if you have what's considered osteoporosis. So can they get that screening from their doctor? Because even now some health clubs offer, you know, this kind I would of stick, te- yeah, test. Yeah, I would stick with doing it through a physician's office because the test that we prefer is called a DEXA test, and it looks at those specific sites. Health clubs and other places, drugstores, et cetera, may offer something that looks at the wrist or the foot, we think it's best to do what's called a central DEXA, looking at the spine and the hip, and as I said, in some cases you add on the forearm. It's covered by insurances, and it's, it's pretty easy to do. Um, if you're under 65 or under 70, if you're a man, and if you have what your physician considers to be risk factors for having osteoporotic fractures, let's say you're 53 and you take prednisone, or you're 57 and your mother just broke her hip, or if you've had a fracture yourself after the age of 50, you need a bone density test to see what the heck's going on. Certain factors predispose you to these types of fractures and osteoporosis in general. What are some of those? Well, a lot of the factors that predispose you are things like your family history. If either your mother or your father broke a hip, regardless of how old they were, that's a risk factor for you. Drinking more than three alcoholic drinks every day, being a cigarette smoker, 
those are risk factors for you. There are a number of medications, some of which are potent uh, problems in terms of, of fractures, and one of them would be, would be prednisone. Another risk factor is that if you're a woman who's on an aromatase inhibitor drug, which is what is often given to people who've had breast cancer, uh, they're called aromatase inhibitors. If you're, if you're on one, you'd know it. That is associated with a higher risk of fractures, and you have to kind of know where you are before you start one, because if you might be at risk of fractures, there are things we can do to prevent that from happening on the aromatase inhibitor. Similarly, older men who are having their testosterone production uh, removed to treat prostate cancer, those folks are also at risk of fractures, and there's, there are things we can do about that. So there are a number of drugs. There are certain medical conditions. There's a whole long list that your doctor would know about, which are all predisposing factors that might make bone loss worse. So now let's talk about prevention. First, start with the younger people, and then as we become peri- and postmenopausal women and men, what, what should we be doing to prevent these fractures that right. can happen so easily in people that have osteopenia or osteoporosis full-on? Sure. I think the best advice I can give premenopausal women, starting from childhood all the way through to about age 50, is that you want to lead a clean life, meaning don't smoke, don't drink to excess, and be physically active because when your body is growing, when your bones are growing from the time you're born until puberty, your bones are getting longer. And then when you stop growing in height, your bones continue to thicken up if you're a woman until you're in your early 30s. And you don't want to mess that up by smoking, drinking to excess, or if you have an eating disorder, that can get in the way of, of you getting a full-size skeleton, whatever you were genetically programmed to get. Uh, between age 30 and age 50 or so, it's really a matter of just continuing to be physically active, to assuring that you're getting calcium-rich foods in your diet. If you do get a vitamin D blood test and it's low, you should take vitamin D supplements in order to keep a normal level of vitamin D. And those are the main things that you want to do. You want to be physically active and you want to make sure you're getting enough calcium in your diet. Okay, so these calcium-rich, you know, foods and vitamin D-rich foods, you know, if well, you are Well, there are no not... vitamin D-rich foods, uh, Yeah, so the sun and such. It's... But if you're not getting these things through the natural environment, should well, you be taking supplements? You know, it's something you can discuss with your doctor. If you're lactose intolerant and you take zero dairy, there's a blood test called a parathyroid hormone level, and you can have that looked at by your doctor along with your blood calcium level. If your parathyroid hormone level is a little on the high side and your calcium is normal in your blood, it says that some of that blood calcium is coming out of your skeleton, and you could certainly be put on a small amount of calcium supplementation. You don't need a ton of the stuff. You just need a little bit to get you into a point where you don't have to borrow calcium from your bones in order to maintain a normal level in your blood. Vitamin D is hard to get from food, and as you get older and older, it's hard to get from sunshine. Sure. Moreover, most of us smear on sunscreen because we don't want to get skin cancers, and that makes it impossible to get, calci uh, to get vitamin D produced in your skin. So for many people, a small amount of supplementation is a good idea. It's not something you want to do automatically, but you can discuss it with your doctor. And what about fitness and exercise? Where does that fit into this picture? And what types of exercise are you talking about when you want women and men to be doing this to help prevent fractures? Well, to be perfectly honest, once you're in your 50s, I really don't care what kind of exercise you do um, as long as it's going to strengthen your muscles, it's going to give you better balance and coordination. Because as you get older, 
the role of exercise is really to help you prevent falls. So whatever works for you is terrific. Whatever you can do that you like to do and therefore will do, that'll give you a little bit of a workout and help your muscles and your, you know, your strength and your coordination. From the point of view of osteoporosis fracture prevention, that's just fine. Okay, so when people hear, oh, you're supposed to do weight-bearing exercise, what do you tell them about what that is? Weight-bearing exercise would be anything that involved walking, you know, pounding on the ground. But I, I don't know that you have to do that necessarily. Weight-bearing exercises are great if you can do them. It doesn't mean you have to lift heavy weights. I think if you have very low bone mass in your spine, you probably don't want to lift really heavy weights because in the process of exercising, you might conceivably break something in your back. So you have to be a little bit careful about that. But basically... Whatever is going to make your muscles stronger. So, for example, swimming is not a weight-bearing exercise, but if you love to swim and it's keeping your muscles strong and it's making you feel good, that's a terrific exercise to do. The goal is to not fall. And whatever you can do to strengthen your body and you know, improve your coordination and balance goes a long way to minimizing the likelihood of a fall. And so, Dr. Cyrus, women are seeing, and men too, I, I keep saying women only, but, you know, all over the media and late night TV, all these medications for osteoporosis. And they have all of those millions of side effects that they, you know, they speak about very quickly at the I end of the commercial. I, I beg to differ. I would say that the side effects of the osteoporosis drugs are fewer than we get with many other drugs. Yes. Some people, when they take bisphosphonate pills, which are things like they used to go under the trade the names, alendronate, resedronate, evandronate, mm-hmm. there are occasional patients who get indigestion, and if you do, you can't take it. But the serious side effects of the osteoporosis medications are really quite rare. And it's very clear from lots of science that while these side effects exist, if you have a, a, a great need to prevent fractures because you're at very high risk of a hip fracture or a pelvis fracture or a shoulder fracture or a spine fracture, the benefits of these drugs tremendously outweigh the risks, which are really rather small, and these are rare. And the key thing is to make sure you and your doctor understand that when you go on one of these osteoporosis drugs, you do it and you're monitored and you're reassessed, and after a certain period of time, you may make some adjustment in what you take. It's not a situation where somebody gives you a prescription and says, come back in 15 years. You have to be looked at every year. Some of these drugs you take for five years, and then you take a holiday. Some of these drugs... If you do take a holiday, you have to follow it with something else because you would lose what you gained. But each of these drugs has its own characteristics. They're all very good at protecting you against what you need to protect against, which is fractures. And the one that works best for you is the one you should be on. You should certainly ask about side effects, but you shouldn't be frightened away by side effects because these drugs are generally quite well tolerated. I'm so glad that you pointed that out because, you know, in in those commercials, they list 32 different things, and they speak very fast at the end. So you're not sure what to think. And I'm so glad as an endocrinologist that you pointed this out and how important they might be for some people. So wrap it up for us, Dr. Cyrus, with your best advice about preventing those fractures and possibly preventing osteoporosis altogether in the first place. Well, let's, let's, say we, we, let's say you have a high risk for fracture, meaning you have osteoporosis, where your risk for fracture is considerable over the short term. There are really three things you have to do. Number one, make sure that you're neither calcium nor D deficient. You need enough of each, not extra. 
You need enough of each to get rid of that as a risk factor. Number two, medication as appropriate. We have a range of them. You and your doctor figure out which one makes sense for you. You take it for the appropriate length of time. And number three, don't fall. And the way to not fall is to pay attention to your environment, be aware of where you are, don't be in too much of a hurry, and stay as strong as you possibly can stay in terms of your muscles and, of course, your balance and coordination. Those three things, if done properly, will go a long way to minimizing, not eliminating, but minimizing the likelihood of an osteoporotic fracture. Rock on. What great information. Thank you so much, doctor, for being with us today. And you're listening to Life's Too Short right here on Radio MD. And remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and rate and review. And that way, like-minded people can get involved and you can get involved in these shows. And that's what that's what makes it so that we're all learning this together. We have some of the best experts in the world on these shows. And that way, we're all learning together. And you know this is credible quality information that you're getting here right here on RadioMD.com. This is Melanie Cole, and stay well.